So I'm here with Mark Farmer, who's the founder of Cast, and Russell Pedley, the co-founder of Assail Architecture. And I'm Andrew Teacher from Black Sock Consulting. We are talking about um, what the future looks like for planning in Britain following the launch of the recent MPPF, the National Planning Policy Framework, to give it its full, really boring, long title. Um, Mark has just come back from Australia. He looks a little bit like The Rock. He's glistening, he's tanned, he's ready to go. He's, he's rippling in his shirt right across from me, and he's trying to pretend he's not in the room right now. Um, Russell here, a bit more, a bit more reserved, a bit more... A bit more. Uh, I don't know. What are you, what are you Russell? What are you, how are you feeling today? You, you, you right? Oh, I'm feeling great, thanks. So, um, lots has been happening in 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 the, the the housing sphere of late. We've had PM Theresa May taking it, uh, you know, taking everything in her stride and, and using this as her revival technique yet again. Um, Mark Farmer, is it going to make any difference? Is is what she's proposing in this? consultation on M- on the MPPF, is is it going to make a blind bit of difference to anyone anywhere? Well, I think that, that remains to be seen, Andy. I think um, what you've got in the consultation document that's come out in the last um, uh, week or two is, in some respects, quite predictable. So there's definitely a move towards modifying the planning process. Obviously, the, going back to when MPPF was first launched, uh, a few years ago, it was all about simplifying the planning process. So, you know, reducing what was thousands of pages of documents under the old Town and Country Planning Act into a document less than 100 pages. So I think what's clear is in doing that, there's probably been some inadvertent consequences around how the planning system actually works in, in practice. Um, you know, there's some very politicised issues at the moment in terms of level of affordable housing. And the MPPF consultation document suggests that there's going to be a bit more prescription around affordable housing. Um, That's a good thing, surely, because I mean we have this in Scotland, and this is this is one of the bugbears that everybody has, isn't it? With with building homes, it, it basically if you're building something for profit, you're evil, and if you're not building it for social housing, you shouldn't be building it at all. And that is is the sort of residual point that the 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 areas of the media come back to which which you guys have to fight against presumably every day that that you're that you're on site or or you're with clients yeah you know i think the the, the affordable housing is is a highly emotive subject it means different things to different people whether you equate it to social housing or broader affordability but the mppf as it currently stands in um, in terms of the the draft document talks about 10 percent now being mandated in large sites um the key thing and this has been most apparent in London, but I think it's going to increasingly become a, nas- a national issue. Is the viability question on affordable housing, and you know what 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 has become apparent under how MPPF has operated, is that the viability challenge that can be used by developers to reduce the level of affordable housing is being misconstrued and misused. And I think the, the need to be quite clear that in a development appraisal, the residual should be land value, not the level of affordable housing you provide. I think... So what do you I, mean by that? Because that, that's... So so what, what's been happening, whether it be through um, a, a deliberate ploy or just the reality of uh, what's happened in the real estate market is that uh, developers and house builders have bought land at a certain value. And in buying that land, they've assumed that they would probably be able to reduce their 
affordable housing contributions by saying that actually there's complexities with the site, there might be abnormal infrastructure. So they pay too much for the land, basically. Yeah, and effectively, to... that, that is the long and the short of it, if you, if you want to get to the nub of the matter. And I think what, what was clear is that the planning system needs to now guard against that. It needs to be, actually, if someone's going in to buy um, land, then actually the, the affordable housing element is a constant. And actually, you take into account if there's any abnormalities on the site, like contamination or big infrastructure works. And that residualizes your land value. You don't want to artificially prop up the land value. The only people that are benefiting in all of this is the other landowners and the vendors of the sites. Developers have a constant margin. Um, you know, the contractors are, are getting paid in, in a normal way, but it's the landowners. The inflation of land value through the misuse of the viability system is one of the biggest issues we've had that's become apparent over the last few years. And of course, the other issue, Russell Pedley, is that people just blame the architects and say that your schemes are too expensive to build because they pay too much for the land is that is that a fair yeah, assessment we, of the world we, we get that a lot but i'm just taking up the point that mark just re- mentioned about a consistent approach to affordable housing one thing that came in the in the recent draft of the mppf was effectively right at the back of the planning guidance right at the very last page was a section about build to rent and in there they talk about something that is saying right all build to rent will be the affordable housing provision will be 20% of of the of the units and it will be discounted 20% that is black and white what really needs to happen in my view is and that's a new asset class that needs to happen to all the other housing forms of tenure so it's crystal clear I think that's quite encouraging from from the new planning guidance that's coming out. And and that would be everywhere in the UK, you mean? It's nationally. Um, now, obviously, certain cities, for example, the one we're in now, London, have, has a different view on that. It says it's 35%. But um, That's I've, 35% of the quantum. Correct, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I suppose the problem, though, is that in, in different cities, you've got different needs. I mean, if you go up to Sunderland and the North East you've got shed loads of, of empty stuff, whereas in London, you, you don't. So there's a... Does there not need to be an elasticity yes. and, in and, and, policy, which then gets you down the rabbit hole of viability assessments? I mean, you end up where Mark Farmer has described we, we, we're sort of coming from. So Yes, there is. And in fact, the guide the guidance sets out that uh, by saying that maybe less units, deeper discount or more units uh, and so forth. And so I think in that way, local authorities can tailor it. But there is a level playing field. That's the important aspect, I think. But is there a level playing field if, 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 if local authorities get to pick and choose what they want? Surely that contravenes or contradicts the concept of a national framework. Yeah, but it's, it's about setting a standard uh, across all of the build-to-rent site schemes um, where there isn't a, a, um, a registered RSL managing it, single owner, single operator, and it's obviously being flexed by uh, monetary terms rather than numbers of, of, um, of, of homes, uh, etc. Um, Mark Farmer, your business cast has been advising many businesses in this new asset class of, of, of build to rent. What what difference do you think some of the things that, that Russell Pedley is describing, what difference will these things make for getting some of these schemes off the ground? Because there has been a, a feeling that local authorities don't necessarily appreciate some of the particulars, some of the, the differences between different asset classes, and that this, uh, this lack of education or this lack of appreciation 
hold stuff back? Is is it is this is this potentially a doorway to getting more stuff built? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think you know if you look at where the additionality of supply is going to come from, it's going to come from the likes of built to rent, institutionally managed rental stock. It's probably going to come to an extent from a bit of an uptick in. Uh, output from registered providers in the social housing sector but build to rent represents the single biggest opportunity to get numbers up because it's new capital into the market it's not existing either taxpayer money or recycled house builder cash it's new money coming in uh, it's a, an asset class and it's a tenure that doesn't necessarily compete with for sale so it has the ability to be well, built it, it does surely if, if you're building a load of stuff for sale and you're building a build to rent scheme next week surely half of that for sale stuff's going to be flogged off to buy in to London maybe so London's probably the exception around the fact that we still have investor stock albeit I'd say that's declining quite rapidly at the moment so what we're seeing now is a downturn in private for sale uh, schemes in London it's primarily uh, due to the fact that the investor market has gone away it sees capital growth as being weak or negative in London you may say that's now with Surgent in places like Manchester and Leeds and Liverpool, where the, the build-to-rent um, stock is is potentially competing against buy-to-let um, retail investor stock. But ultimately, you asked the question about where the new supply is going to come from. It's not going to come from trying to beat house, house builders over the, the, and, the head this, saying build more, because they won't. Yeah, and this is the only way many of the local authorities can really uh, hit their housing targets, because, you know, for sale uh, market is never going to oversupply it. Whereas the rental side, um, which, you know, the absorption rates are much faster, they're going to create communities and, and uh, places to live much faster than the uh, market for sale. And, 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 and that's because you think there is more latent demand, though. Is that, is that your point? Well, that's certainly my experience working in my practice, working on such schemes, there is... Uh, a huge increase in demand in that kind of accommodation. Uh, and what's, so what's then, I mean, just, just wrapping things up then, Russell Pedley, what, what is the biggest challenge going to be going forward? So, you know, in, in, in terms of your clients at a sale architecture, what, what should they be saying to the government in response to this consultation? Um, I think, uh, you know, there is clearly a strong demand and demand to build quickly and... and, and and that is clear. The issue is really the construction of these developments and being able to build them at a design quality that that that, is, that it, everybody is is you know happy to have and really enjoys living there. So people it, shouldn't it, just chip down the price to make no, their overpriced land because, stack up in the appraisals. This is about longevity um, of, of the design and the built form uh, and the robustness of it. Um, that's what the institutions are looking at. And so I would argue very much that you know housing standards and design standards and quality will go up as a result. Fantastic. And, and Mark then um, in, in conclusion from you Russell's, Russell's put the ball back in your court. He said the stuff needs to be built better. How are you going to help people build stuff better? Well, ultimately, we need to be absolutely focused on quality, as, as Russell's just said. The big challenge we have around skills and, and capacity constraints is that building at higher numbers and anything over 200,000 units a year in the UK at the moment, I think, suggests that we're at numbers that breach natural capacity constraints in the industry. So we have a big challenge around building differently as well. So to get to those higher numbers, to get there at a consistent quality without diluting the quality of what we're delivering, then we need to get smarter about how we deliver it, doing more perhaps in different ways, including off-site, but not just exclusively. So there's different ways in which we have to attack that debate, but it is a, 
um, it, it's a multifaceted problem. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Mark Farmer from Cast and Russell Pedley from Asale.